Welcome to the It's All Film and Games podcast. Uh, we have a it's, Sam's over here chuckling. You have you have something to say about my? Well, my you just didn't start it with you just didn't start with the well hello. Yeah, he he welcomed right. without the yeah, without yeah. saying hello. It was a little little jarring. It's a little yeah. It's a little icy, it's a jarring. Okay. Yeah, it's a little not very friendly right, coming from we... the friendliest member of the podcast. So, okay, here we go. Well, hello. And welcome to the It's All Film and Games podcast. Uh, Today, we will be talking about April new releases. Um, And unfortunately today, it is just me, Corey, and Sam. We are down a Samir today. uh, It's the Um, OG iteration of of the podcast. This is is how we started our very first episode. Yeah. The original fans always wanted this. Yeah. They always thought Samir brought... Like, yeah, he just kind of ruined... This, like, too much mojo. 2000s. Yeah. Yeah, they just hate the 2000s. He brought a certain 2000s <laughs> redefine itself every the, episode. It's the vibe. Even though he was born in the 90s, it's the vibe <laughs> of the 2000s. We've and, been over this. Yeah, and, and just because I, I feel like we owe it to him, um, this right here is the Sopranos reference of the episode. Um. All right, and that's it. Sam, do you want to give us uh, one? <laughs> well, okay. So I I am on season five now of The Sopranos, and I will say that I just was introduced to Steve Buscemi's character in The Sopranos. Buscemi. Uh, and well, in Samir's it, it, dedicating this to Samir, you're mispronouncing the last, right. the last name. Uh, yeah, that's. I guess yeah. that's. There's no better tribute to Samir than mispronouncing words. <laughs> <laughs> i want i do want to say real quick my mom was like what are you doing this weekend i was like oh i'm recording the podcast and she was like okay be nice and i was like what do you mean be that is nice? not <laughs> has she listened has she listened to the podcast she, yeah she she's been listening to all the, the shout out to my mom thank you for listening Did you think mom. that was like a kind mother comment or was the kind of thing where no like, no it was no, like no, a it was, i've been it listening was to like that a, podcast you should start being nice <laughs> yeah it was it i think it was very pointed that i have become a little too mean on the podcast and unfortunately that's not gonna end especially for tonight i was gonna say dan you should let us let the listeners know the three movies we're discussing tonight because i think they are ripe for us to be pretty mean to each other yeah yep so the movies we will be uh discussing in this order are the father bad trip and what was the last one (laughs) Oh, your favorite of the bunch, Godzilla vs. Kong. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Godzilla vs. Kong. Sorry, I had a I had a bit of a brain lapse right there. Um, but yeah, I think we all have some very all over the place opinions on on these movies, specifically for uh, the father and Godzilla vs. Kong. Do you guys have any? I just want to say before um before we get into each individual film, I will say one reason I'm sad that Samir isn't here is out of the three of us, I'm the only one who has not been to a movie theater in the past uh, couple of weeks, who has not uh, seen I, uh, any of these films in a theater. Uh, and you know, the same could be said for Samir, but, he, but he's not here to, to, to relate to that feeling. So I, I do think, you know, I'll come back to that throughout the night. Cause I, I mean, and, and understandably so, I, I think that really does color how you feel about a film. I think now you guys might understand why I'm such a why you thought Tenet yeah, wasn't bad yeah why I think <laughs> why I continue to be the most loyal Tenet fan of all because you know there's something to be said for the theater experience especially when you're when you're deprived of it um, but yeah we'll we'll uh, we'll kind of refer back to that because I, I do find that to be uh, just a, kind of an interesting little wrinkle in, in tonight's debate 
Well, I, I guess... You're such a bitch. You're already invalidating my argument. No, that... I fucking hate Sam, I think you're, you're so... so some, I think you're just coming at this from a place of uh, insecurity, you know? Like, I, I'm just no, pointing no, out okay, a fact. Okay, and... okay, okay. So, so when we when we have our own documentary made about this podcast, <laughs> it's going to be, like, behind the podcast, like those horrible 2000s behind the music <laughs> documentaries. They're going to talk about how Corey and I are currently beefing over a camping trip we're trying to plan <laughs> and how he's ruining my entire life with it. I, so Corey, I, if... I wasn't going to bring it up, but I do, I, I do think now I have to explain that um, to the listeners at home that Sam notified me yesterday that the camping trip that we've already booked uh, doesn't work for him because the dates are all weekdays <laughs> and he has to take off work. Of course, Imagine Sam planning also... a trip only on weekdays. Right, but of course, of course, Sam had already at, at this point confirmed that he can indeed attend on these dates, which tells you that Sam is not much oh of a check his calendar kind of guy. Yeah, typically you yeah. try and you plan out your work schedule before you. Right. Typically, when people say, "Hey, do these dates work for you?" They are assuming that you would be checking a calendar at some point. I was excited to hang out with my friend Corey, and I. Sorry that I got a little ahead of myself. Do you think your mom would tell us to be more mean to you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In this scenario, I think she might. I would hope she would. Yeah, I, I hope I hope she would too. Okay. I'm glad we could put that out there just for if anyone was wondering why Corey and I are such at each other's throats right now. All right. Last bit of housekeeping I want to do at the top that I'm I'm sure I'll get, get roasted for uh, in a brief second. But I do want to do a kind of a, a, a shameless plug right at the top. Oh, my God. If you follow me on Twitter or um, follow the podcast on, on Twitter, you probably have seen that I've uh, joined the likes of disgraced journalists worldwide and uh, started a Substack. If you're not familiar with Substack, it's basically just like a, a, a blogging or like newsletter platform uh, that has gotten a lot of popularity because you've seen like some of these independent journalists like uh, Glenn Greenwald and Matt Taibbi and like Matt Iglesias, those types, moving to Substack. It's got some controversy for its payment structures and things like that. But anyway, uh, for nobody's like me, it's a nice way to, you know, hopefully get my name out there. So I did start a Substack. I'll be writing a bi-weekly like pop culture newsletter, basically. Um, and my first issue came out today. It's about the show Beartown on HBO, and it kind of relates it to the MLB's decision to relocate its all-star game out of atlanta pretty uh uh like disparate to things going on there but uh found some interesting connections and i recommend the show on hbo if nothing else but please i'd love if you guys were to uh, at least check out that first newsletter maybe subscribe as well support me support the podcast thanks the discourse is gonna go uh go crazy whenever sam edits that out of the podcast oh i know (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I'm going to edit in this part, which is Dane and I have started our own OnlyFans. We've been asking for this for a while now, and Dane and I finally caved. He's going to be dressed up as Godzilla. I will be King Kong. Your wildest fantasies for only fifteen dollars a month. I'm just, okay. uh, I'm just mad you didn't include me on this plan because that's way more lucrative. OnlyFans is way more lucrative well, than uh, well, we're writing articles to be on top- Substack. We're trying to be top 2%, not top 40%, <laughs> Corey. Fair enough. Samir and I will try to challenge you, although I'm not sure we'll crack crack uh, even the top uh, 75. <laughs> a bunch, bunch of feet picks. Have you seen Samir's has feet? The best feet? Samir's got... Yeah, Samir pro- Samir's probably got some some nice little little piggies that... Oh, look at those, Dan. If I, didn't I, got, ha- like, I don't feel like removing I my got, socks. So I, 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 no I got some wide that. toes. Yeah, those are Let's nice. Let's be honest, Corey has the, Corey has the worst. Oh, I, and I, I own that, but I, I wear them proudly. Yeah. 
Good. The, the Can't wait to see them on the camping trip. Yeah. The all uh all feet and game podcast. No, well, Gabby actually oh. Gabby pointed out <laughs> the, the other day that apparently I when I stand, I don't I didn't notice, but I, I, I put my feet out wide like this a lot of the time. Which obviously looks absolutely ridiculous and I wasn't aware of this, but um You were just, a ballet artist just, in a in a previous life, I guess. Yeah, just, just, just another thing to be self conscious of now, you know. <laughs> it, it was one of your holy motors expeditions. You, yeah. got, you got called to be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so we. Ready wow, to I get forgot to we our... were talking about movies. Yeah, I know. Oh, <laughs> wait, 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 wait! I feel like we have to to say this. So it turns out that the most popular movie. Oh, good call. On oh, yeah. Letterboxd is none other than Parasite. Our uh, yeah. Or 64 top, what was it? Top. top the top movies on Letterboxd. The most pop. Yeah, okay, so I, I went through, took the 64 most popular movies on Letterboxd, created my own bracket out of it, and, you know, I'm a little disappointed to find that the most popular movie on Letterboxd is also the most popular movie with us. <laughs> but, um... I, I mean, it, was, it means they're doing but, their job right, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I voted for Parasite pretty much every way through. Um, I will, I was I was very torn I think in its in its final matchup where it, it did take down the Dark Knight. Uh, Parasite's definitely the better movie, but uh, I'm probably more likely to rewatch the Dark Knight more often if that says anything. I uh, I was shocked. I thought for sure the Dark Knight. Was I was take shocked it. too. I thought the Dark Knight was gonna. It had run through everything. Well, I like, uh, wasn't even challenged. I don't know about you guys, but I was a little surprised that our final four included Glorious Bastards. I just I guess. I, I like the movie. It's probably, it's almost definitely my favorite Tarantino. It's good, but uh, it's not great. But yeah, when I think of some of those movies on there, and just some of the fanfare that surrounds a lot of these kinds of movies, I didn't expect to see Inglorious Bastards in that. Uh, I can't believe it beat Fight Club. I thought Fight Club had it in the bag, yeah. and Inglorious Bastards made it through. When you were certain that I Grand did... Budapest Hotel was going to ride to the end, and then they I was destroyed by Whiplash. Whiplash. Yeah. Even though Whiplash is a superior movie. Yeah, I love Whiplash. Having... Yeah. Having not watched Grand Budapest Hotel because I don't like Wes Anderson. Well, let me let me like, ask you guys really quick, just like um, because you know this was a first of all this was a pretty successful you know little thing we did on our Twitter. So thank you to everybody who who voted in it. But do you think because Parasite is a great great movie, and I I do honestly think that Parasite is going to be a classic for decades and decades to come. But do you think this is a bit of recency bias, or do you think it deserves? That's what Will was saying. Title. I think hmm. I think it deserved it. I think it's I was having this debate with a lot of my gaming friends about it cuz I posted it to ask them to vote on it. And they were all like, "Oh, Dark Knight is, you know, is better." And I was like, "But really like the the amount of depth Parasite has and it also being an insanely enjoyable and fun movie is just like you don't get that very yeah. often." Yeah. Like that's really hard to do. It it, it Parasite, I mean, Yes, The Dark Knight, mainly because of Heat the Ledger, but Parasite was a movie where as soon as the credits start the role, started the role, I knew that this movie was going to, it will forever be a part of film discussion for like decades to come. Yeah. Like, it was just so different. And I mean, I've, I've gushed over Parasite multiple times on this podcast, but yeah, I, mean, I do think thought, it is deserving. One thought that I had too is, you know, I think there's a lot of unfortunate kind of like gatekeeping in film circles, right? Where we don't want like, you know, like we don't like these like, you know, film types to, um, you know, like 
final it's like you know people get take issue with with uh newcomers who discover parasite and all of a sudden decide that they love korean film but you know we really gotta you know loosen up on that a little bit because it's a yeah. great thing that this movie has like i think what's great about parasite and i think the reason that it's so successful at least in part is that it has convinced a new generation of film fans that they too can love international film they can love like quote-unquote highbrow film because you know it's an oscar winner um and they can love maybe specifically korean film um and i think it's done a lot in, in that sense like it kind of makes people feel good to be like wow like one of my favorite movies is this korean movie that won the best picture and you know it was like this big international sensation that like caught wind in the in the united states and i think some people in the film world are like we've been watching bang jun ho movies for decades you know try to watch a park chan wook movie go to you know back to the 60s and watch an old japanese or chinese film but like it's great that people are discovering new movies international movies and i think parasite is kind of uh symbolic of that i think that's why it's 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 such a cultural sensation at least in part it's also just a great movie yeah no i i think i you have to applaud the movie because it it, Corey, what you said like it it certainly has brought a whole another uh aspect of film to uh to many film people yeah Um, i mean it's an all-time favorite for for me you know i mean i i've been following bong joon ho's career forever memories of murder is probably still my favorite of his you know, we talked about it on an earlier episode, but uh, Parasite, like, it really is a special, special film. Yeah, and yep. uh, with Bong Joon-ho, I, the last thing about Parasite, uh, Corey, I think you like this tweet, actually, but I he did, Bong Joon-ho did a, like, a webinar with some, with students, oh, and yeah. he said that yeah. he, he wakes up every morning at 5 a.m. and watches a movie. That is such a goal. And, I mean, I, I, I think about I, that sometimes. That's what I did the only time I ever woke up really early to watch a movie is The Irishman. I remember because it was so long, and I was I was in school at the time, and I was like, "Shit, I'm never gonna find time to watch this." So I woke up at like 8 a.m. and just watched it before my first class was at noon that day. Usually, I rolled out of bed at like 11:45 and left for class, and I was so proud of myself for doing that. Uh, but when I saw Bong Joon Ho, did you keep did that, that momentum going? Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's that's such a a life, man, to to wake up and do that. And be a successful director on top of that. Yeah, he's a uh, he's just such a sweet guy. I would like one hundred. I would love for him to like be my dad. Wait a second, dad, the father. Uh, what? Uh, oh my god, guys! And that's why we put you in the hosting chair, Dan. <laughs> no, I could have never come up with no. that. That was pretty good. No. I'll eat. I'll eat my mic now. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so our first movie we're going to be talking about tonight is uh, the very critically successful um, and potentially, well, not potentially, Oscar candidate is The Father starring Anthony Hopkins. Who directed The Father? Florian Zeller. Florian Zeller, his directorial debut. Who is also the playwright of the original. Right. So, a highly acclaimed play... Um, the original name for it was a word for the father in a different language, and I totally forget it. I was really hoping I was going to remember that before, <laughs> so I could just pull out some, like, pronunciation of it. Papa. Motherfucker. Papa. <laughs> it's daddy, actually. Um, so, so, yeah, I know, such, yeah, they took a huge risk by taking a, 
take in just turning it completely sad. Could you imagine no, if the, I... if uh, the Oscar nominated film Daddy starring Anthony Hopkins was uh, what we were talking about tonight? That would have made. I think Corey would have actually liked it if that was what happened. Whoa, whoa! You're you're out here telling like you do this often where you assume that I'm in either to one extreme or the other. Let's uh, we'll, we'll the, see where I stand. Op- the opening. Okay. The opening shot of Daddy is just uh, Anthony Hopkins like downing a bunch of Viagra. <laughs> hey, I mean Sam Honest. brought us Mommy, which we absolutely love, and so you know why? Why couldn't Daddy? Yeah, be why a... can't there be a Daddy? Yeah, yeah, just justice for daddies everywhere. Yeah. Um, <laughs> talking about this movie, so this was like Corey alluded to. This was the first movie I saw in theaters um, since the pandemic started. So I went to the Ritz Five in downtown Philadelphia. Great theater. There was fantastic theater. I highly recommend if you're ever in the Philadelphia area. They show five like mid mid budget movies normally. So the other movies showing were like Minari. I think um, there was other uh, Oscar nominated films up. Um, I think Promising Young Woman was there as well. So, really good theater if you ever get a shot. It's very cheap on Wednesday nights, too. It was $8, so. Um, great deal. Dude, I can't say enough about this movie. I thought this was by far the best movie that came out in 2020. I understand now why Samir picked it so early in our Oscar draft. Yes, there is a little bit of bias. It was the first movie I watched in theaters, so I was obviously overjoyed about that experience again. Um, to just sit back in a chair that squeaks a little bit, eat some popcorn with some uh, disgusting fake butter on it. You know, that's really all we want in life. I'm a man of simple pleasures, but I'll open it up to Corey on my first question. Is this the greatest cinematic performance in history by (laughs) Anthony Hopkins? Because I, Samir, for people who don't know, Samir is a huge fan of this movie. He also thinks it's the best movie of 2020. Um, he has it over Minari now uh, when we were talking about it. Uh, and he and I are both convinced that this might be the greatest performance in cinematic history. It is unreal what Anthony Hopkins does in this movie. So I agree with you that Anthony Hopkins' performance is obviously the best thing about this movie. Uh, it's also um, definitely the, the, the best of the year, which paints you know how much I've been singing Riz Ahmed's praises all year long. Uh, and probably the best of the past 10 years or so. I'm, like, I'm, if you give me time, I'm sure I could think of one I, I like better. So I'm not going to call it the best cinematic performance yeah, in history. Yeah. But uh, it's really, really astonishing. It's also like really uh, like personal in a way. His character's name is Anthony. Uh, you know, basically the same. It's almost like he's playing himself in a weird way because he is an 83-year-old man. Um, yeah. I gotta imagine that's just a really overwhelming experience as an old aging man to play an old aging man that was going, to, you know, dealing with something like like dementia. Uh, and yeah, he really, really just kills it. That that whole uh, speaking of mommy, that whole like mom, I want my mommy monologue uh, is <sighs> is probably the most emotional experience I've had watching a movie uh, in a in a long, long time. I I. I'm getting choked up now. I I I uh I haven't cried like that in a film in a in a very long time. I thought um I mean, we people know what this movie is about, but for people who don't, uh 
it's it's a fairly simple plot just done in a very complex way of an old man in uh london is losing uh, he has a dementia early onset dementia to actually like full-on dementia throughout the movie um and it's him losing grips with reality um and the final the final scene is one of the hardest scenes i've ever had to sit through but it, it is truly masterfully done yeah i actually do want to encourage i must feel bad for dana to sit here and listen to us because part of me almost wants to encourage anyone listening to this who hasn't seen the father to not even listen to anything else we're about to say because i don't know about you sam but i was really shocked um like i th- i think what's so fascinating about this movie is that none of us knew going in at least i didn't i don't think many people did what this movie actually was you yeah. know what i mean when i say that i agree like, i agree like i thought it was just gonna be like a a very like light sad drama yeah like just a kind of a classic family drama that plays out um rather simply rather naturally and is well acted and moving but isn't necessarily mind-blowing in any way but this movie does you know it has a couple tricks up its sleeve that are really really inventive and uh definitely kind of announced florian zeller as a a talent to watch if he is to keep directing films dude the fact that this is an adapted screenplay blows my fucking mind yeah how first off how is this done as a play well that's what yes that's one thing i you know um one my final plug of the night i promise but by the time this episode is out, I it hasn't been published yet, but I think by the time this episode is out, I wrote a review of this film for the website FilmCred, which I had previously plugged an article on, or an article for on this podcast. Uh, and that's exactly something I said in that in that review. I was like, I watching this, you wonder how this story was ever told without without cinema, without film. Like it's so the way it it reveals itself is so married to its editing. Uh, and some of the things that only film would allow you to do. Yeah. So okay. So what? So what? Corey and I are like kind of dancing around right now is that this movie plays like a psychological horror film throughout. It is highly, um, I guess it, it it it's the the way the narrative goes through throughout is that Anthony Hopkins sees characters like characters start appearing that we haven't seen as an audience before. But they're saying that they're like, you know, the husband of his daughter for the past 10 years, stuff like that. So it's kind of told from the it's told from his perspective. So we're as in the dark about what's happening as he is throughout. Um, But I think it's one thing I'll just add to that. What's worth noting is that while it is told from his perspective, it's it's not announced as such from the outset. So the first 15, 20 minutes of this film play out. And you think you kind of have a grasp on what's on what's going on because you've already watched him interact with his daughter, establish some of the kind of the basic details of the film. And it's like, all right, let's let's get going. But the next scene as it plays out, um, again, you, you don't think anything is amiss uh, until another actor walks in and now you're confused as well. So even then, it's not clear to you that you're you're this is being told from his perspective. So much as you are quite literally merged with him, like you have absolutely no sense of what's what's real and what's not, what's true and what's not. And and Corey and I, when we were discussing this film, because um, obviously you know we're human, we discuss films before we go on the pod. He brings up, which I think is probably the most legitimate gripe with this film, is that it does this a lot. 
it, this is this this revealing of information um is really uh unnerving at times it's hard to follow um i personally found that it actually wrapped it up really really well throughout i felt like a lot of the i thought it you know if, during the movie you kind of are like well am i just not going to understand what's going on at all like is all of this just going to be you know inside the the mind of a of a guy who's losing it but i think as the story reveals itself you um you get a great sense of what is actually happening and what his interpretations of the events are or at least some sense of it but i think cory differs with me on that opinion yeah i was gonna say i want to get Corey's opinion well, on the perspective stuff yeah i mean like i think you're right the final scene does drive home or, or does kind of justify a lot of what the film does throughout i will say just before that final scene i it had occurred to me like all right this shtick is definitely uh getting a little older um i would agree it's kind of like i, I feel like agree. it's ran its course that final scene again i think doesn't does enough to to justify it but it's still hard for me to say that every narrative thread in this movie is wrapped up or even really makes a whole lot of sense. And that's fine. That's the point of the movie. That's what life with dementia is like. You know, your life is, is uh, conf- like, you know, truths are conflicting and reality is, uh, is, is unclear. And that's really, really devastating for both those affected and, and their, their families. And so, again, the movie is really, really effective in that sense. But it's just, I, I, I'm torn on it because to me it's like, the movie's primary goal is to overwhelm you and disorient and to frustrate you. And that's all well and good. Like I've it definitely worked on me. And it, again, it's a testament to Florian Zeller's direction that it's so effective, but it's like, I can't, it's hard for me to recommend this movie to someone. It's hard for me to call it um, a, a great movie that I mean, definitely to me, not, it wouldn't crack my top five of, of last year um, just because, it, like I mean, this movie's primary goal is to frustrate you and upset you and overwhelm you, and it's hard to tell someone to watch an 100 minute movie that that does that that does that to you and doesn't really uh, ever let up and doesn't ever really um, you know resolve itself in, in any clean manner. I like challenging films. The Father's definitely a challenging film, but it it really um, kind of folds in on itself. Uh, to an extent that I'm not entirely comfortable with. I guess I just, I, I disagree with that. I, I found myself, the main takeaway I got after I watched this film was, I think when we, we all, I, I, would, I would imagine almost everyone in life has ex- experienced an older relative, an older friend, um, who forgets things, who doesn't really, isn't quite there with it anymore. And for me, I've always just kind of thought that they were like fucking with me. Like they were kind <laughs> of like, like I, it sounds fucked up, right? Like it, it sounds like, I'm like, are you serious? You don't remember that, you know, like I, my grandpa, like he doesn't remember sometimes that I graduated Pitt from Pitt. Like he goes, you know, how's Pitt? And I go, I graduated last year. Like, dude, how do you not remember that? And it's like, why are you fucking with me? Yeah, yeah. So like, then, Grippa, fucking so stop then, it, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, like, I, I from this movie, I got a, a deeper and like a very honest depiction of what that's actually like, and I, I felt more, um, I guess, very, very happy to be young 
honestly. This made me overjoyed to be young and made me terrified of growing older. Um, yeah. This is... But it also gave me It made me, me a worry a lot about of, my, my parents, or my grandparents, like, and, and my parents. And my parents, yeah. yeah, yeah like, it, it made like, me you th- really put yourself, I think, in Anne's shoes, his daughter, you know, played by uh, Olivia Coleman. Olivia who's, Coleman. Who's, who's nominated, nominated for this. And she, she's, she's very good in it, but I'm actually kind of surprised she's nominated just because I do think Anthony Hopkins is so, so good in this that she kind of pales in comparison. Um, I think she's great. Yeah. Is she up for I, I, is she up for lead actress? Yeah, lead actress. No, support, or supporting. Oh, is supporting, she supporting, yeah. She's supporting. for supporting. Supporting, which I, I brought this up on our Oscar episode, but I kinda take issue with that a little bit because she is the lead. She's the actress lead. She's show. the lead. Yeah. I mean, she is the lead. Yeah, but that's neither here nor there. Um Yeah, like it put me in, in, in her shoes a lot, really, and I was like, Wow, like I just couldn't imagine having to to deal or to deal with someone and you have to because they you love them and they raised you and you owe it to them, but God, it must be such an overwhelming uh, experience. Yeah, I just, I found this, um, even for how, I guess, cinematic the narrative plays out with the different timelines, um, there's one scene in this movie, I'd be um, remiss if I didn't mention it, is an argument between Olivia Coleman and Rufus Sewell, who plays the husband of Olivia Coleman. Just, uh, oh, can I just briefly say, because you can finish yeah. talking about this scene, but... I did like I I kind of hate movies that have the like I I I don't like the characters who are like just like obvious assholes. You know what I mean? Like yes, there are bad people in this world, but didn't you kind of feel like a lot of his dialogue and a lot of the way he talked to Anthony Hopkins' character was a little just like um s- simplistic in how in how awful he was? Like maybe I mean, maybe it's on but, maybe I just don't have people like don't... this in my life, and it's unfair of me to say that, but. He was really just kind of like, like he's he's vicious to the point of like almost parody. You know what I mean? I'm like, of course, like like are people really would be that awful and and but not. But we also don't know. We don't know if that's completely what he was like. That's just how Anthony Hopkins views him and and iterates on him. True. Throughout, that's, which is that's a very good point. But that also, yeah, I'll let you finish, and that that leads me pretty nicely to my next point about this movie. I I literally hate Corey, but <laughs> continuing. Um, <laughs> Continuing, like, there, there is one scene that I absolutely fucking mind-blown at. It's where Rufus Sewell and Olivia Coleman are discussing putting Anthony Hopkins into an old folks' home. Um, and the way it plays out is that he, Anthony Hopkins, walks in on the discussion, but then it goes through... It, it's the crazy... It's, it's almost impossible to explain, but he goes through... He overhears them, essentially Rufus Sewell being like, we have to put him in an old folks home. He's lost complete touch with reality. Um, the scene goes through them at, like dancing around the fact that he just overheard that. As he leaves, they have the conversation again, and he walks in on it again. And it's one of the most like mind-blowing, and I was... Like, it might be one of the coolest, most inventive ways to do dialogue, like, that I've ever seen. I was, I was mind blown by it. I thought it was so cool. Back to Corey's point about why Rufus Sewell is a bad character. (laughs) Yeah, let's, let's, Um, uh, let's get some fighting in here, guys. Yeah, so, like, here's here's my, it's kind of like a two-pronged issue that, that I have here. Like, one, again, I think you make a good point about Rufus Sewell's character and, you know, I, I I get frustrated with these movies where um there are mistakes 
can all almost always just be justified by their twists you know what i mean like it's kind of like uh you know uh, i'm trying to think trying to think of a good example i just watched this movie recently called serenity uh, and i actually really like this movie it's, it's it's a terrible it's it's objectively a bad movie um and it's ridiculous in every way but essentially it has this huge twist and matthew mcconaughey is awful in this movie but the twist sort of <laughs> the twist sort of justifies why matthew mcconaughey is such a like a stilted actor in it and it's kind of the same same idea as what you're saying like like uh like a of a, a character like mark gaddis who is so extreme uh or sorry mark is the other character but like uh rufus yeah. sewell who is yeah. so to me um overwritten and kind of uh stereotypical in that sense like it can just be justified by the, by this movie's structure and then the movie you can therefore talk your way out of any criticism of the father which is kind of, to me kind of a lazy way to protect your, your just how you talked your way out of holy motors Corey. oh i mean that that get the fuck out of here <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't see the 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 connect but no i so i can i can see what you're saying but i actually don't find rufus sewell's character as one note as maybe you did he's watching his wife essentially spend like the past 10 ish years like almost a full decade pretty much devoting her life to her father but is he's but then so maybe again i'm open to the idea that maybe i'm just confused by this movie and you could explain it to me but is that his wife because she is now lives in paris and has got moved there to go live with somebody else that she she loves instead yeah, it's possible that it's not even that's not even the man that she moved to Paris with. Right, because because she says that she got divorced years ago or something, and she's alone and is found met somebody else. I'm getting yeah. big Joker vibes from this movie. <laughs> well, that's don't don't get don't yeah, get big Joker vibes. It's it's, from be, this movie. it's definitely better than the Joker, but thank you, Corey. But uh, Way to give that very searing compliment. That to that our does movie. kind of again relate to one of the the, the other points I wanted to to bring up is. So Sam was tossing the word. Uh, well, he was using the word "exploitive" a lot before we we jumped on here. I think he was looking for the You're word "exploitative." <laughs> I literally fucking hate. I think you. he was looking Ske- for "exploitative." Go, uh, go schedule another fucking camping trip in the middle of a weekday, you bitch. You do not want to use that one on me, bud. Um, <laughs> but but what I will say, I again, I don't think this movie's exploitative, mostly because I think. Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Coleman and Imogene Poots, they're all so good in this movie that it really kind of holds it down with like an emotional weight that doesn't make it exploitative. But I do think this this sort of awkward structure that we're referring to, or I'm sorry, awkward's not a fair word. It's very innovative, very cool structure that we're referring to. Um, it does kind of like generate an impulse to to treat this movie like it's memento or like it's uh, the the machinist or like it's mm-hmm. shutter island or fight club or you know it 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 kind of compels you to to solve this movie when there's nothing to solve the if the idea is that your perspective shifted to to antony's but the risk i think that the movie runs is that it kind of ends up you know like you, the first thing you said about this movie was that it plays out like a psychological horror thriller film uh and while that might be well, an effective too- structure to to ship you closer to to the perspective of an old person with dementia, isn't an effective structure to make you engage with the movie that you're not supposed to be solving or guessing the twist of because because it, it's not that is where I'm like that does kind of cheapen dementia a little bit. I'm not sure that I, again I don't think the movie gets to that point, 
but I, it's definitely a thought that crossed my mind that I think it does kind of weaken the film at least ever so slightly. I mean that that is both of our experience with this because we're so far removed from having an experience like this in our lives. But I I employ anyone to watch the Chris Stuckman uh, best movies of 2020. He also had the father as his number one, and he goes into great detail about um, his experience with his dad uh, dying and having dementia, and how similar the experience was to him growing up and how uh well not growing up the experience that he had with it and how it gave him a better sense of what his dad was going through at the time um i think there's very little hollywoodification with this movie i find it to still at the very end of the day be based on a man losing it and it's done in an inventive way I I can kind of get what you're saying, Corey, about this, but I didn't take it as um, exploitative or as I've coined exploitive. Um, <laughs> yeah, again and again, I'm not like I kind of pose that question because it is something I'm conflicted about. Like I'm not sure that it's exploitative, and I I probably would stop short of saying that it is. But um, t- again, to me, I just worry that it relies so heavily on its sort of shtick that uh, that while you know, I'm like I'll be honest. The first half hour of this, I was like you and Samir. It seems I was like, "Holy shit, this is a fucking masterpiece! This is the coolest idea way to represent this." I'm I'm blown away. But by the time you know it was it was over, I was like, mm, "Damn!" Like, did that? Did it rely a bit too heavily on this idea and therefore cheapen it? What made it so great in the first place? I don't know. Again, I, I go well, back. Well, I yeah. I, I, I can see that point. I, I just didn't, I didn't feel that while watching it. Um, well, guys. I think. What? <laughs> well, I think the, the one final thing, and, and Corey touched on this already about how the final scene does kind of wrap up a lot of things. I think if we want to talk about the best scenes of 2020, I think it would, you'd be hard pressed to find a better scene than the final uh, nursing home scene in this movie. Um, it is, I'll just let the viewers, viewers, like, please, please watch this movie. If not for the movie itself, but for the final scene, um, it is one of the most beautiful monologues I've ever seen, followed by one of, again, the most inventive, most heartbreaking ways to end a movie with its final shot, um, I'm not going to spoil anything from here for Dane's sake as well, because he has not seen the movie yet. That's why I've been quiet. The final, the final shot of this movie is... I'm still thinking about it today. I think it's such a, a beautiful way to end the final, the final film, and kind of a soft way to end it as well. So, um, oh yeah, so, so my, my last question before I, we kind of wrap up our, the father discussion and let Dane finally speak again, is... Uh, because, <laughs> like... like does this or sorry here? Does this change your feelings on uh, our Oscar draft? And how do you feel about this I, movie's Oscar? I was going to ask this the same question, dude. Samir, I would be shocked if the father didn't win it, at least one or two awards. I think, I mean, I am honestly pulling for Samir at this point. I think the father is a fucking masterpiece. I think it's so so good. This I just um, want to briefly say for our listeners. This really tells you the kind of uh, 
reactionary that Sam is because I if you go back and listen to our Oscar episode, no one was shitting was like, on Samir fucking... harder than Sam <laughs> for picking the father, Make thinking it was mind, clearly like the yeah, like fuck. the dumbest pick possible. And now he's like, Samir made a genius pick. I'm honestly jealous I didn't pick it first. <laughs> Well, Corey, I want to ask you. Do you <laughs> okay, you're right. Whatever. You want to hear it? Corey, you're right. Yes. Corey, do you think the amount of nominations the father got is is right? Do you think it should it should be nominated? That's a good question, Dave. Yeah, I mean, I do. Like I think um the one category that I it got nominated in that it absolutely deserved it was film editing. I think to be honest, if there's a an award that it can win, I think it's that one. Uh, and I, I hope it does actually, like, I, I still, I have to rip the Charles Chicago seven cause it's my film in our draft. And I think it's probably the front runner just based on previous context, but, uh, the father is definitely a more impressive film from an editing standpoint. Uh, you could also say this, argue the same thing for adapted screenplay, but there's just too much momentum for, uh, Charles Chicago seven and promising young woman, I think. And then the other two categories, to me, it doesn't stand a chance. Olivia Coleman really has no momentum. No, uh, she won't win. And uh, Anthony Hopkins, while if you ask me, I would say, of course, he should absolutely oh, win. But... It should be so in the back. Right. But... I'm, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hijack our Twitter that night and just start <laughs> a fucking war about how Chadwick Boseman should have been last place. Yeah. I'm sorry. R.I.P. Chadwick Boseman. He's a great actor. He seems like he was a great person as well. But are we really voting on what is the best performance? I know. Are we voting I... on... Who do we like? I texted Samir that Come might on, have said it man. to you, Sam, like, but like, um, yeah, I, after watching this movie, that was one of my biggest takeaways was like, it really kind of uh, hammers home just how unfortunate it is. Unfortunate sounds like a, a you know, unfair word, yeah. but you know yeah, how, yeah. I got you. you know, it is, it is kind of a shame that Chadwick Boseman has been sweeping all these, these best actor categories uh, and will absolutely do so at the Oscars just because I think, you know, I already felt this way before about, cause I love Ahmed's performance between Riz Ahmed's performance in Sound of Metal and a, Steve Yoon. And, yeah, Steve Yoon, who I think is great yep. in Minari, um, and now Anthony Hopkins in The Father. Uh, I can safely say Chadwick Boseman's performance was not even in the top three best of of last year. And so um, it, I, I get it. It's going to be, I think, a, a touching moment when, when he, he gets his posthumous Oscar, but uh, there, are, there are definitely some great, great performances here that are going to be overlooked as a result. And there you have it, guys. Anyway, so to answer your question directly, Dane, I don't think Samir is gonna actually gonna get a point out of this film. Uh, although, while even though I do think uh, its nominations are deserved. Okay. Solid. All right, guys. Well, that was a great discussion from the both of you. I'm glad I could contribute to the I conversation. I finally didn't get shit on in a debate with Corey. I'm I know. Like, I was so about to say that was myself. that was very civil. I think I was. Yeah, I was. Just, I was go. just pretty nice about it. I thought you were pretty. No, you were actually. I think you took your mom's advice as well. I thought you were very kind during parts of that as well. Thank you, Corey. Corey, Thanks, mom. Corey just didn't want to put up points, with it. Conceding points. <laughs> that's not. That is not in your DNA. Not not calling Corey's movies mid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, moving on from there, a drastically yeah. different movie. There yeah. could not possibly be a more different movie. I know, movie I must feel guilty going into this I one. was going to say, when we brought Barb and Star, we thought that was uh, a tone shift. Um, but the ultimate tone shift uh, goes to the next movie we, movie we will be talking about, and that's Bad Trip, which is an Eric Andre Netflix original film. Uh, it's a 
prank comedy, I guess that's what you would classify it as, very much in the yeah. in the realm of like the Jackass films, which I and many people adore. Um love them. So love them so much. I I I actually watched this one. <laughs> and my initial reaction <laughs> Good job, Dane. Yep, everyone clap. Wait for me. your homework. <laughs> um but my initial reaction to this movie is I thought it was very, very, very funny. I had I would agree. I, I laughed yep. out loud during uh I would say just about every skit that, that happened. Um and well I Okay, so Sam's shaking his head. I'll, I I am not shaking me. I'm I'm tossing my head from side to side yes, yeah. in kind of a I wouldn't say that, but I would say it was very funny. Yeah. I think Eric Andre kills it for, for much yeah. of the movie. Oh, um yeah. and I think Tiffany Haddish's character has some funny moments but definitely is the the weakest link in the film um but yeah what did you guys think about bad trip Corey, you want to take this one yeah i like it i mean you said that the, like really the only name you, you need to know about this and pretty much will tell you whether or not you'll you'll enjoy it is eric andre i mean this is yeah it's, it's, if you find him funny yeah you'll find it. if yeah. you found any of his previous work funny you'll keep on enjoying enjoying it with bad trip i was cracking up i do think uh this movie i think the funniest scene to me by far is the very, very, very first scene in this movie. Uh, and that all kind of hurts the film to a certain extent just because I don't think any moment lives up to it thereafter. Uh, but there's still some, some not, laughs. Not the, not the gorilla, the gorilla scene. No, and that, that's the tough. gorilla scene gets close. Yeah, yeah it gets close. <laughs> it definitely gets close. Um, so, yeah, Dude, that... I, don't, I don't mean to say there aren't laughs throughout because that scene is really, really funny too. <laughs> Dude, I knew <laughs> as, as, as soon as that skit started and it was in the zoo and they show him going into the, the, into the gorilla habitat, I was like, I know exactly where this is going. I literally knew exactly what was going to happen. <laughs> and, I still cracked and it, up. It went there, and even though I knew it was going to happen, I was <laughs> jaw dropped. I was like, "This might be the craziest, craziest thing I've seen on film in in a, in a minute." And I just kept thinking of the movie Deliverance for like the entire time. Um, that 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 should be um, if you have seen Deliverance, that should be as good of a reference for what happened in this scene as. You, as as you need. <laughs> Sam Sam and I spoke on the phone briefly yesterday and he, he referenced me, which I think is the funniest part of that scene, is just when he decides he has to go back for his phone. <laughs> it's just so, it's And so everyone's stupid. like, What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like Eric Andre's humor is like, let's take a crazy situation and then just make it so infinitely crazier than it could have been. It's like <laughs> so like all of his things are like he's always testing out what people are like gonna be okay with and if he finds that a line hasn't been crossed he will cross the oh, yeah. line immediately uh he crossed and, the line and, a lot in this movie <laughs> and like i just like like dane said like very much jackass vibes like bad grandpa which i thought i didn't think was nearly as funny as yep. this movie but like i actually like bad grandpa <laughs> hey, bad grandpa's fu- bad grandpa was funny i didn't think it was as funny as this movie but i just really missed this type of comedy like it is like very much like we are all super stands of Nathan for you, like the a comedic actor just going into the real world. Yeah, I mean this is this is you Borat know? to a certain extent. Borat, yeah. this is Borat. Yeah, yeah Borat yeah. to a certain extent. Well, it, I'm surprised no one knew who Eric Andre was. I know yeah, that, well, that was the thing. Yeah. It, while while because if 
if he went on like a college campus, he wouldn't be able to do any of this. Oh, I know. This, well, that's all we thing. talked about for all of college was how funny Eric Andre is I, the I, entire time. I watched Bad Trip with a, a couple friends, and that uh, topic came up. It was like, how doesn't anyone know who he is? And my immediate assumption is that they probably have multiple takes of those um, pranks, yeah. and yeah. Ultimately, they got one where someone didn't recognize him because, yeah, I mean, and most of the time too, he just shows up and like looking like Eric Andre, right? Um, I will he's say not even disguised. But that's that's the one. Again, it's not really. Compl- I, I I couldn't really possibly complain about this movie because I had so much fun watching it. But yeah. I did kind of feel like, uh, like you know, whenever I watch these kinds of movies, I always wonder like what the takes looked like, like the, the ones you just alluded to, Dave. The takes, what the takes looked like where people did recognize him or where they just didn't get the reaction that they were looking for. Yeah. And I, if you ever have wondered that, I do feel like there are a couple moments in bad trip that uh, could show you a thing or two. Because I, I do, I do feel that there are some moments in this movie that uh, what Eric Andre is doing is ridiculous, but he doesn't necessarily get the reactions that, uh, I, that are promised I, by like a Borat or something else. I completely agree. There are some people that were just like, like, lots of people are just gobsmacked the entire time, yeah. so they're not, like, doing anything particularly right. funny in well, their reaction, which is not Eric Andre's fault, because yeah. he sets himself up for some absolutely insane reactions. Oh, yeah. Well, but I, I do think this kind they're... of comedy is at its best. I mean, you mentioned Nathan For You. Nathan For You, don't get me wrong, Nathan Field is hilarious, but the best moments in Nathan For You are when other people do ridiculous or say ridiculous things, and that yeah. doesn't yeah. quite happen in, well, in that trip. And and that's something that I I watch the Eric Andre show. I can watch yeah. about two episodes at a time before my brain starts to melt. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Agreed. However, I yeah you have, in in the show you have certain moments where like um there there's one prank where Eric Andre runs into a barber shop and then. That so he funny. he runs in, and the next thing you see is him running out, going, "He's got a knife." <laughs> and, um, and I I'm surprised that none of it's nothing like, um, like it's gonna sound bad because for our entertainment pleasure, I kind of wanted to see Eric Andre get into a situation like that and like see him, yeah. um, m- maneuver it. But <laughs> I I well, did read they, at one point they, he did get they a interviewed, knife yeah, that they. Well, that guy, they thought they were going to die. Yeah. Like, he was, like, close to them in the barbershop. They thought they were going to get fucking shanked. Yeah, but I, I do and... think, the honestly, I you know, I'd say another one of the funniest moments in this movie is just the credits where you see all the... Oh, yeah. I, I thought, the guy going... Yeah, you see everyone's reactions cool. to when they realize that they were a part of a joke like that. Or the dude that, like, was like, don't piss on me, and then he, like, throws his, like, shot <laughs> glass down and is, like, about to beat the shit out of Eric on <laughs> Was so it funny. Um, the the vomit scene too? Oh so my funny. god! Where it's Holy just like fuck, an excessive so... am, a, excessive amount of vomit, where it's like spraying out at such high pressure, just like yeah. what the. To be the villain on the episode, just real quickly, I will go as far to say that not a single Tiffany Haddish scene was funny in the app, remote slightest. I like I thought every single scene she was in was. I don't remember them at all anymore, and I watched this a week ago. Like, I just found her character... Like, the situations she was putting herself in weren't that funny. Like, it was just her getting mad at people. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, so that's I say, the not... one, there, there, I the feel one like moment I kind... 
there wasn't any bit to it. Yeah. I, agree. Like, I think the moment I kind of laughed at was her hitting on that that cop. Yeah, that was fine. Um, I agree. Um, but I, I I agree. I think the issue it's not Tiffany Haddish's fault. Actually, I think she's a pretty good comedic actress. I think the it, unfortunately she is basically responsible for the entire narrative of the movie. Yeah. Like like I Eric agree, Andre and Lil Rahari are just running around doing stupid shit, and they don't have to hold up the story. She's the only one that provides any sort of like narrative framework to a movie that has one, but doesn't really have one. I mean, it doesn't need it by any means, and it doesn't yeah. really care yeah. about it. But so half of her scenes are her like like the, like especially the scenes of her driving and like act, like having to just deliver lines that are technically serving this like very loose story yeah. are kind of just like yeah like they're not funny at all, and they're actually they only hurt the film. Yeah. Well, yeah. I said there's there's no bit to it, and and very much throughout the movie it yeah it's just her driving the pot forward i will say i thought the her moment where she steals the cop car was pretty funny um particularly per fuck it particularly because <laughs> of the one reacting the door off yeah the the reaction yeah. of the one guy in the yeah the that guy did shop. he gave one of the best reactions in the movie right? he, yeah. he i think he says he's just oh, like he's gonna be pissed he's gonna be so <laughs> embarrassed or something yeah. like that yeah. and i would yeah. <laughs> i laughed out loud at that because those the, the, those reactions are awesome yeah well that that's something too like with the gorilla seed and my one friend was like how wouldn't you realize that was just a dude in a monkey suit and <laughs> Dude, I, I was like, getting, can we just talk about the cum real quick? There's oh. so much. <laughs> there's yeah. so much. Yeah. There is so much. Yeah, well, again, you asked if I... you asked if a, if a girl would enjoy this movie. And I remember, like, when that happened, I, look, I was, like, looking in the corner of my eye to Gabby, and I was like, she's not going to fucking be with me after watching this shit with me. Like, I, I can't believe I recommended watching this with her, but she was laughing. I got a, I got a, you know, I got, I got, a, I got, I got a good one there, because that's watching a... Watching a gorilla come on Eric Andre should not be a source of comedy for for most. <laughs> I think in general, there's like there's no fucking point to say like the gripes with this movie in general. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. It's just it's just a dumb, funny movie. Yeah. Like, oh, the last thing I say is so I I actually really liked the love interest character in this, or at least I thought that yeah I, the flash the flashback scene or like the like the future, oh that was like funny too scene. yeah that's really that was actually Dude. really smart yeah. I didn't even think that I was, it like, was wow, like that's a really that's a really funny idea yeah. is doing a bit within like a, a vision yeah it reminded I totally me agree. of the, the was... dumb and dumber scene whenever he rips out the chef's heart yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah and I, and I liked I liked the scene in the art gallery at the end especially with like the cleaning ladies who just seemed like it seemed like they really like they, like, they seem like very bad. sweet women, you know. Yeah. So like they really seem yeah. to love her and care about her and feel so so bad for her and just like really sympathize with her. So at the very very end, when you when you realize that they were like it was a joke being played on them, their reaction is just I don't know. It's it's very sincere. Like I, I just really appreciated that moment. Oh yeah, I agree. Was how about the I ah oh my god, I can't believe I forgot about the, forgot to talk about this. The whole musical number. Oh yeah, yeah, that was funny. I, I, that part was really I funny. I loved how emotional that guy gave the guy a great on, reaction on the bench too. was. Yeah, oh, that was so funny. And he's like, he's in yeah. love, and he, <laughs> and then it ends with the whole bit in the in the mall. In the mall. So I, it hilarious because I was like, this is a. It's a very funny movie. People yeah, and that was that was actually I I take I I almost I almost feel bad that I said that it get, only gets worse from the beginning because I'm now remembering like that is a really funny moment, especially because kind of the same energy as what sam said about the flashback being such a clever moment 
that was another one where I was like, that's so yeah. funny because a movie would have that's, a musical number where you get up and sing, and it's so funny to imagine how people would react in reality if that were to yeah. happen. Really, that's, really clever. That's what I thought was yeah. cool, too. It definitely takes, like, tropes in cinema and, yeah. and does something cool with them. Yeah. The musical I'm number. Awesome. Just from a personal note, I'm so happy Eric Andre released a funny movie to the the public. Like, hopefully, this gets more people yeah. to watch his stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, I I hope he's he makes a, more. I thought it was hilarious. He, yeah, yeah, he's a he's just a fan, like a fantastic comedic actor, and seems like a really genuine and and funny dude. So yeah, and yeah and like you said, funny, funny or like you said earlier, Sam. Like, uh, I just I missed these kinds of movies. Like, I know you know we all, I think we always give this boomer take on this podcast about how. They don't make them like they Comedies used to. Comedies are dead, but yeah. they really don't make them like they used to. And this this felt like a, an example of like, I mean, you compared it to Jackass Day, and like I I felt like I was in middle school watching yeah. this movie, and I mean that the best way possible because I spent most of my middle school years watching Jackass Three over and over and over, and so I thought it was so funny. I loved it so much, and this brought me back to that moment of like, like comedies can just be absolutely fucking stupid. Sam Sam joked this... on the top of this episode that I was gonna somehow turn the bad trip into a commentary on like capitalism or some shit but i was like no like i what i absolutely fucking love is that this is just a stupid fun movie and it it just made me fucking laugh like that's that's awesome that's such a rarity unfortunately nowadays yeah yeah very big fan very funny i re- recommend it to, to all of yeah, our anyone. Yeah. all of yeah. our seven listeners yeah whereas the father is is so much like all thanks mom the father and so many movies he recommended this podcast for like 20 dollars to rent you know uh the bad trip is just free on Netflix, so no excuse not to watch it. Yep. So our next movie that we will be talking about is Godzilla versus Kong, the uh, very anticipated monster film. Uh, funny enough, about Godzilla and Kong fighting each other. No shot, really. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's a good title. That's a very uh, accurate it, title. Yep. Um. So. I feel like I want to get your guys' opinion first, and then I'll give my opinion on what I thought about the movie. <laughs> Are you sure you don't want to do good news first? Bad yeah, news do you want right. to go first? All right, fine. I'll, I'll go first. Um, so, much like Sam's experience with seeing the father in theater in theaters, um, Godzilla vs. Kong was the first movie I've seen in theaters since Tenet in the middle of July. Um, and... It was fucking awesome to be back in the theater. I got got kind of emotional when I walked it. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, me um, too. I'm sure. Yeah. But uh, I Godzilla versus Kong. I think it delivered on what it promised it would deliver. I mean, the human stuff is awful. Yeah. Um. There's no denying that. Um. It's all very boring and doesn't really make any any sense at all. Um. However, all of the stuff with Godzilla and Kong, I thought was very epic and well-filmed. Um, I thought the action was, was very clear. I liked a, a, lot, of the, a lot of the camera work, uh, especially in the final fight, which is in the trailers, which is, takes place in a neon-soaked Tokyo. Um, Hong Kong. But yeah, is it Hong Kong? Okay. Yeah, Hong Kong, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I really loved a lot of the monster stuff, didn't give a shit about the human stuff, and I'm, I'm glad they spent less time on the, on the human stuff than the previous Godzilla movies. Um, Wait, can with you, that... uh, yeah, 
I'll let you finish, but I do want to hear more about uh, what it was like to see this movie in IMAX. Because yeah. I think you've already sort of alluded to this. Sam and I weren't huge fans of this film. Yeah. But it did to occur to me least. throughout. It, like, the whole time watching it, I, I, did, I was thinking about you, Dane, and I was like, fuck, this must have been dope to see in IMAX. Yeah. Um, and the movie is... It sucks that it's an HBO Max release as well because all of the camera work I feel like was very deliberate when and and had IMAX in consideration when they were filming this movie um per, it, the final fight and also the ship fight I often just found myself like leaned over looking at every corner of the screen trying like seeing what was going on and like Kong swimming swinging from building to building looked so awesome on on IMAX um and it was it was hella loud it was it was fucking loud yeah I I mean I I certainly understand grapes with it but I I will also say like at some point I I'm upset you guys don't get to like watch on theaters you might not have liked it as as much but see it certainly is a movie meant for a theater and seeing the final action sequences play out were uh, it it was awesome, and uh, there's a, also a lot of wide shots in the movie. Um, I mean, the one in the trailer of Kong punching Godzilla on the ship yeah. looked so awesome in IMAX. Like the yeah. the pull the pulled out shot of the ship. I mean, um, that is definitely the best scene in the movie. Yeah, I thought the fight at sea was was dope. I thought that yeah, was, yeah. Was that was really person. cool. I I yeah. thought that one was really fun. But that's what almost surprised me about this movie is like. Uh, I I knew going in because it's been the case with all of this entire MonsterVerse franchise the human stuff would be, would be pretty terrible and it'd be all about the monster stuff but I personally didn't find any of the monster stuff even really that cool except for that fight at sea I thought that fight at Great. sea was really really cool had some really I liked a lot of like the like the uh, shaky shots and stuff um, but even like the like while aesthetically I thought the neon soaked Hong Kong looked pretty cool none of the actual combat happened there was all that interesting or well shot i'm open to i'm open to to disagreement but i just yeah it it was just like cool it's neon but it didn't that's it wasn't necessarily well choreographed or anything felt really derivative to me was my main gripe of it i felt like i obviously i'm not the demographic for this movie i uh you know i'm biased against it already going into it i just expected to like see some action sequences that i'd never seen before but, dude, you could tell me that final boss battle was just a fucking Transformers scene, and I'd be like, yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah, like, that's, a good, that's a good comparison, honestly. It has a lot of Michael Bay kind of energy. Yeah, it just was like, it just, it just felt like, a you know, another big blockbuster that, I mean, this is doing actually the first movie that's done well in the box office since yeah. uh, the pandemic. So, you know, it's going to make money. Good for them. Yeah. But, Which like, I'm, I'm glad. It, I'm actually glad it's doing well. Yeah, we need uh, it. We need a movie yeah. to do yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, but I just, I like, yeah, I just didn't find any of the fights besides the the ocean, the like ship one, to be all that interesting. To be honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I disagree. Yeah, but if, I, but also you're in the you're in an IMAX. I can imagine how yeah. fucking sick that would have well, been. Like, but the and also, I mean. The theater was I'm I am fully vaxxed and the the theater was at forty percent capacity. Um so there there was 
Um, I think it was the theater was sold out. Um, but so, so it was fun seeing people, like hearing people react finally. Yeah, because I watched yeah. the I watched the father with five other people in the theater. Like <laughs> there was no one at it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got I got my first shot on Wednesday, and so I am uh, definitely looking forward to getting back into the theater. I don't know what I would see anytime soon. Maybe nobody, but even that, I'm not necessarily too. Uh, we could like watch. We could like watch Minari again at the Ritz. Yeah, oh, I would. I would do that. Yeah, um, I want to. I want. I need something to get me back in. There. Yeah, come hang out with me, Corey, if you want. Yeah, well, right. the the final fight. What I, uh, with the direction that I appreciated about it was, it kind of was filmed almost in a sequence. It was like three shots in a row would be from like a human perspective, from like. Uh, like a ground level shot or or whatever, um, and then the next shot would be more of like a a wide angle getting the the scope of the fight, um, and an image that just is ingrained in my mind from the movie is during the the ship battle when Godzilla comes up out of the water and he puts his hand on the ship and you see like all the people running across and it's from the the perspective of a human, um. I, I just I thought that was very cool. Uh something that the other movies haven't really done with like the, the human perspective. Um and also I'm very glad that one of the monsters actually wins. Um I do think there was I was a, right. A, the movie does kind of cop out a little bit and just sort of do more of like a they well, needed they to work win. together to yeah. defeat the real villain, which is the machine or you know, like that's kind of more what the movies do. I mean, I I go, yeah, like there, there's a winner in there. Godzilla whooped that ass. Oh he yeah, his arm out of socket. That. Yeah, from he... like, from like a like a physical standpoint, yes, but from like a narrative standpoint, the movie kind of says like, well, they both needed to to re- reconcile their differences in order to overcome the true villain. Biden twenty twenty four. Sure, sure thing, but. <laughs> well, okay. So- I we can say that the human parts suck, and obviously the human parts suck ass. But it's also like fifty or sixty percent of the movie. So if fifty to sixty percent of the movie suck ass, it's hard to say that the movie was any good. Like I think, I'm, Corey, I'm interested to hear your take because in your review you point to Millie Bobby Brown as an only bright spot. Dude, I Dude, know that she's so bad at acting. She's really such actually. A ba- I thought she was... I, I stand by it. I thought I I did think she brought like a certain kind of like I don't know. I thought she had like an energy for the role. Like it's like for her at least. I feel like for her as a young actress, this is like a big role, and um, it felt like she cared about the role and was trying to make something of it. Whereas there's no one else in the movie that I felt like they, they like everyone else knew they were in a terrible fucking movie, and were were just like half-assing their way through it is anyone but, honing it in harder than kyle chandler right now like yeah he doesn't give a fuck about yeah the i've really like ever, ever since ever since friday night lights ended which i love friday night lights uh, i feel like he just he's like i'm just gonna play fbi agents or like researchers for the rest of my life and just deliver the most bland lines possible and not give a shit about it it's a shame. He's. I think he's a pretty talented actor, but he does not give a fuck at this point in his and career. And Alex Skarsgård just played as Chris Pratt light to me. He. It feels like they really needed a Chris Pratt in this movie, <laughs> and they were like, "Fuck the best." I. It's like, Mom, can we have Chris Pratt? 
And then it's like, we have Chris Pratt at home. Chris Pratt at home is Alexander Skarsgård. I didn't make that connection, but I do kind of see what you're talking about. I thought the, there, there, the, there are two performances I want to point out here. I, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'll, like I said, I'll stand by that I, I did actually kind of like Millie Bobby Brown in this. But I feel bad I don't know the kid's name, but that little Kiwi kid. Julian Dennison. Yeah, yeah the one from Deadpool 2 and then uh, Hunt for the Wilder People. He, he sucks. I think he's he's, he's awful. Horrible. He's so he's awful. Horrible. He just um, doesn't, he doesn't and fit also the Re- movie. Rebecca Hall. Oh, so bad. Holy fuck. Yeah, there was Holy one line in this where I forget, I wish I remember the line, but she gives like, it's a classic kind of like action movie line, you know, where she's like. Go get uh, him, Kong. Yeah, 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 something like that. But it's like, we, it's like, we need to get to the blah, blah, blah. And she just says it in the most like, she's like, we need to get Kong to the, I, I don't know. It, it, it was just, it was so uh, half-assed the way she delivers it. But the performance that I want to point out uh, that I thought it was so, so obnoxious was Brian Tyree Henry. I, I love this guy. I think he's such a talented actor. I really do. He's so good in Atlanta. Um, yeah, he, yeah. I, I, ever, I, I mentioned this in my letterbox review. That when I watched Atlanta, I was blown away by both him and Lakeith Stanfield. I was like, wow, both of these guys are going to become stars. I don't have, there's not a doubt in my mind. And it's true. They both have gone on to really successful careers as a result of the show. But one of them has appeared in perennial Oscar contenders every year. He has, you know, dynamic films like Get Out and Uncut Gems and Judas and the Black Messiah. <clears throat> and the other one. Has I mean appeared in in yes I guess you could call them you know big films he's he's been in Joker and he's been in Godzilla vs Kong but he's just in these blockbuster films in the most bland role every time that, that's Brian Tyree Henry every time he just plays this like weird sort of comedic relief character and it's really come to a head with Godzilla vs Kong his character does not say a single straight line in this movie every single line literally every single line is like some kind of sarcastic quip and they're never funny they're literally never funny but it's clearly like a like a like an mc it's trying to do that kind of mcu kind of kind of way too hard at it um and and i've said this before that you know i have my gripes of the mcu but i do think they are consistently funny Mm -hmm. they're like they have some of the best comedy writers working for them like they really have nailed that sort of action comedy and i do not think that that the monsterverse has nailed that at all i mean i thought brian tyree henry was so obnoxious in this and uh like it's just a shame because i think he's a really talented actor that could be doing so much more than what he's given here it is an incredibly unfunny yeah (laughs) it's so unfunny (laughs) it does it tries way too hard to be funny out of any plot line the one with the girl is the most it's not even really interesting but for me it was the most engaging um, and honestly, I think it would have been cool if they just made the whole fucking movie a silent movie. And dude, that would have been sick. That and it was sick. just her talking to Kong the entire time. Um, because I like the really the only human thing that I remotely enjoyed in in the film were the moments between the girl and Kong. Um, when he like does the sign language back to her, I thought that that was a a pretty cool moment. And also, it just kind of plays in with kong's history and his and his other films um right so i i definitely yeah, so is the monsterverse some... is it are we supposed to understand that in the monsterverse kong will never do the classic king kong story like he'll never get to climb the top of the empire state building and fall and have someone say it's beauty that killed the beast like that's that kind of classic story just uh wouldn't play out right because 
not I'm I'm not positive. I can't imagine that's something that they have on their docket. Honestly, yeah. I think I think Peter Jackson made such a masterpiece of the last. Yeah, I do that, love that. I love that. That. Um. But, but yeah, I, I don't know the the human stuff. It, it sucked, but seeing those two fight, it. I was able to push aside everything that I didn't like about the movie. Um, and just yeah, don't let on. us ruin your time. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I will say too. Right before I went to a Mexican restaurant and had a tub-sized margarita, <laughs> um, and I it was kind of embarrassing. I was like running through the parking lot, and I went with my dad and sister, and I was in the theater <laughs> like yelling at people, and my dad had to yell at me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Did you? Fuck. What's it called? Did you get to have that post movie pee in the? in the bathroom of a movie oh theater. yeah 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 Dude, well I, are... I i i peed like five times before the movie oh um, oh dude because yeah. that post movie pee i had in the father i know I exactly sitting, what you're talking about too. sitting there Seriously. wiping away the tears like you look in the you look in the mirror and you're like oh i love movies so yeah. much yeah. i love movie theaters and you know everyone in the urinal next to you it's like we're all kind of thinking about the movie but we're not going to talk about it because you don't talk with the urinal you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah oh god i yeah. miss those yeah, I do it think was it, Dan, you brought up like, a, what I think is, uh, I don't know, it's just like what bums me out about this movie is that it's uh, a movie that released during a pandemic, it's a movie that is released partly on HBO Max, I'm glad, like we alluded to, that it is doing fairly well in the box office considering the circumstances, but to me it's just like, this movie only ever existed to show these two monsters fight, it only ever existed to make money, which is fine, that's what all movies exist to, to do, and to some extent, and especially blockbusters. But to me, it's just like, it just kind of sucks that uh, this movie is like, there's no point of watching this movie on streaming. I was sitting at no. home watching it on my TV on HBO Max, and I'm like, this is literally so fucking pointless because the only reason this movie exists is to see it happen on the big screen yeah. or is to pay to do it because it's like, a, it, I mean, this is the ultimate, and I, it's not a bad thing. It's just, this is the ultimate kind of like Scorsese argument of like mo- some movies are amusement parks because. This is a fucking amusement ride. That's totally fine. It's to watch these two monsters fucking go at it in, in giant, crazy CGI CGI battles. But like, what is the point of this movie existing on a streaming service? It just shows how stupid that decision was by HBO Max. Because yep. the only reason the, the MonsterVerse began uh, all those movies ago was to build up to this point and make a, a boatload of money. Yeah. Well, I 100% agree. I knew, like, as soon as HBO made that decision, I I was like, Godzilla versus Kong. You're you're yeah. telling me you want me to watch that movie by myself on, on my, my phone, on, on my yeah, on my dinky TV. Yeah. You're you're full of shit. I think or my sixty five like, inch TV. Yeah, I mean, like, okay. and the same could be you know the same will will probably <laughs> be said about about Dune and the Matrix Four and all those. But mm-hmm. I really think this is the most egregious example of it, just because the MonsterVerse. Uh, you know, this is. The MonsterVerse, the MonsterVerse was never that successful of a franchise. Yep. I mean, pretty much every movie in it was bad. I mean, I, I know Kong Skull Island was kind of fun. I know you you liked it a lot, Dane. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a biggest fan, but it's a fun movie. I hated both Godzilla films. I thought I thought the first one was uh, at least like watchable, but the second one is one of the worst blockbusters of all time. So like this franchise was never good. It was just about building up to this moment. Yeah. And and so to me, it's just like like what the hell was the point? It, I mean, it, it's just it, to me, it's really really uh, yeah. Mind-boggling. Well, it's 
it essentially is a like pay-per-view <laughs> yeah. um like mma or like boxing yeah match. like yeah, that's right. exactly that's what good, it is the whole point of it, of it whole point of it is is you get a bunch of people together and you're paying money to see this epic fight in uh like a like almost like grandiose setting it and it, it certainly is an event movie and for HBO, for Warner Brothers to make the choice to be like, fuck it, we're just going to put on streaming, does seem so, so ridiculous. Because I honestly can't imagine watching this movie on streaming. I know at some point I will watch it again, but... Like when the first, yeah, I was gonna say when the when the first trailer for the movie came out, it's like this is a movie meant to be watched on the yeah. theater screen. It, it, yeah, yeah, one and a half stars. This was the worst movie I watched this year. I'd give it. I give it two because I I did uh I did enjoy some of the action sequences. Like I I really like Adam Wingard. I I was excited when he was attached because I do uh I do think he's kind of the most interesting director to have been attached to any of these films. Uh, but but even then, like I don't know if you guys you guys have seen the guest, uh, but that has like this nice kind of like formal kind of precision to it that I thought was lacking in this one. So can't go any more than two stars. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna give it a. Hmm. But don't let it. Don't let us influence. I'm gonna give it a four star. Initially, I had it a four and a half, but after sitting on it, the human stuff is just awful. The four, I mean. Like the monster stuff in theaters and just seeing it, it, I loved it. It was so exciting, and I the the build up to the the final fight was just it it was worth sitting through all the the shitty human stuff and it it it, pay, it paid off for me. I had a hell yeah. of a time watching the movie. It was fun. It was exciting. I'm glad you did, Ben. Yeah, I'm glad you did. I mean, like, at, like at the going end back of the to day, the guys, we're all here to support one another. Yeah, exactly. right. yeah except it was, for me. It Corey. was it was a much kinder episode, I thought, yeah. than uh. Yeah, than I effect. think Samir is the say, real is the it's, real. It's, it is. Enough. It's always Samir. Really, yeah, that's what it, that's what it comes back to. Yeah, God, I'm so. This has been, you know, probably my favorite episode just because of Samir not being here. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we should definitely dedicate at least three minutes to just trashing on him. <laughs> yeah no we should probably, we he, miss he probably you won't samir. even listen to this episode yeah he will <laughs> he definitely <laughs> yeah we love you samir and we wish we could have been here yeah well, well sam speak for yourself sam yeah never mind fuck it i was lying i was just trying to nah, be the good guy again lo- love you too samir hope you're up yeah. I didn't. I didn't know Samir had an unpaid internship that he works at at five p.m. on Fridays. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually where he records all the podcasts. He, today he was actually busy. Oh. Yeah. So when someone when someone's yelling at him to, that dinner is ready, that's actually his. Uh, usually his boss at yeah. work. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird um, relationship they got going on. But... <laughs> well, uh, I also would say, hey. Guys, I mean, it's a little bit late now, but check out the Snyder Cut. I mean, come on. Oh, I know. Every uh, Our past couple episodes, we've been teasing a Snyder Cut one. And then we, the reason we could, uh, I got to tell the listeners, the reason we couldn't do it is because Sam and Samir just refused to watch four hours. <laughs> I'm not watching that Zack Snyder's movie. Justice League. <laughs> I'm not watching uh, that movie. Hey, uh, honestly, Corey, while we're on it, I and I kind of like shoehorned this in just so we could talk about it for like two minutes. 
But I, w- I just want to yes. get my reactions to start. Okay, I'm going to mute, mute the Discord. You guys can go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, guys. I'm not a big fan of Batman versus Superman. Obviously, uh, Joss Whedon's Justice League is atrocious. Um, I do like Man of Steel. It's not my favorite superhero movie. But honestly, like, Zack Snyder's Justice League... Corey, you said it in our group chat, but it, it definitely is his magnum opus. Um, it's I'm a I also like Watchmen, but don't love it. However, there's just something about the Snyder Cut that I was just so attracted to, and yeah. the four hour runtime. Uh, my uh, Will Gamble, previous uh, guest, we watched the first two hours and. We were gonna watch the next two hours the other another night, and we were like, "This is fucking awesome. Let's just keep watching." Um, so yeah, it. I was a huge fan of the Snyder Cut. Huge fan. As was I. I was enough of a sicko to watch this in one sitting, which uh, I don't recommend, just because that's a lot of time to sit in front of your TV. But it, I, you you said this to me, which I, I really liked the way you put it. it was like watching the the Snyder Cut is like watching like this like epic story about gods play out just there's something about it it's aspect ratio i think the length contributes to it um and just the way Zack snyder writes dialogue and uh and you know directs action um which isn't it's not even close to the best like i, I do think yeah. one of the the i do think some one of the annoying byproducts of all this snyder cut discourse is this like false notion that Zack snyder is like in a great great director because yeah. he's not no. but he definitely has interesting ideas um and a unique way of doing things um that really it works here like i loved it i thought it's it's my favorite movie of 2021 so far i really had a lot of fun watching it yeah uh and i i i, I would i definitely recommend it to to even non-superhero film fans believe it or not i, I do think it's uh it's very enjoyable yeah there's just something i can't even put my finger on it that <coughs> is just very engaging about the movie um, the aspect ratio is something that I thought I was going to be hella annoyed with, but somehow it just makes, it just excels the film, and I don't really know why. Because um, yeah. usually I'm a big critic when there's no explanation to shit like that. Um, and yeah, it was like watching Lord of the Rings, but superheroes. And Yeah, I just feel like, to me it's like, if if there was ever a time for a director to be totally indulgent and do things that don't aren't really have a justification, it would be when you have or are giving a mulligan to just make a movie yep. again by a studio for a streaming service. Like, sure, go ahead and fucking put it in a weird aspect ratio and and go ahead and make it four hours with chapters dividing it and letting the player, you know, like tell you when you could skip to each chapter. Yep. Like just do that crazy shit because this is such an unprecedented thing to happen in hollywood and it may never happen again yeah um, i hope it doesn't by the way i i, I don't view those you've seen the pressure now to like release the air cut yeah. of uh snyder of suicide squad yeah like c- come on guys like this this was a cool thing but it was a unique thing and yeah. I, I, it shouldn't but, become a new you know they're gonna overdo it this uh, is yeah. the start of it <laughs> I, I don't I mean well it. they they did warner brothers announced they're not going to release the air cut of uh suicide squad but I, I'm sure you're right that they will eventually do yeah. some, something similar with some movie. Um, and the last thing I just want to point out to uh, probably the highlight of the movie and the biggest change is Ray Fisher's cyborg. 
Um, oh, yeah. And he is the heart and soul of this movie, and he is awesome. And I also I thought The Flash was really cool, too. Um, especially yeah, those are his, definitely my two favorite characters. Uh, the visual of him rewinding time and the ground forming underneath him is just... I get, it's, I'm getting chills right now. The Flash um, is such a cool character, man. Like, I don't know how... He's really never gone to... I mean, I, I know people love the CW show, but I, I, I can't get into any CW shows. Yeah, neither can I. But he's never really gone no. a proper green treatment. Uh, and Ezra Miller, I think, is great as Barry, Barry Allen. Uh, and I think that the Flash solo film is still going to be a yeah, thing. It, it's, still, it's still in the works, yeah. Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But I don't think the same could be said for the Cyborg solo film. Unless no, I'm honestly, um, DC... I'm pretty sure it's the CEO of DC really fucked over Ray Fisher. I'm sure like a lot of people have read about that, but he, Andy Muschietti, who is uh, co-writing and directing the flash uh, initially had cyborg as like a supporting character. And then Warner brothers and DC reduced him down to a cameo and then just took him out of the movie. Um, and this is all after Justice League. It is a very sad situation, and I'm very glad Ray Fisher finally was able to uh, get the performance that he gave uh, to to the world. So. Yeah, he's a great follow on Twitter for people who don't yeah. who don't follow him. I think he, he's a. I hope he yeah. I just hope he has a great like a solid career after this because uh, first of all, he seems like a stand up dude, um, and he's actually a pretty talented actor who I thought gave a uh, a pretty solid performance. If um, I will say. Uh, quick aside, I don't think anybody's, anybody's seen the show Doom Patrol, but uh, th- that has its own version of Cyborg. Um, but the actor's name, I think, is Jovian Wade, and it's also pretty pretty good. So there is some good Cyborg content out there if you're if you're looking for it. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed Ray Fisher in this a lot. I the last thing, very last thing before we close the episode is that I uh, I'm a little worried by Andy Muschietti's involvement because I do remember it was a Rick Rick. I always mess up his last name. Rick Famuyiwa. Who was oh, both like initially Fukunawa, directed? Fukunawa, the true detective guy. No, that's Carrie Joji uh, Fukunawa. This is oh, Rick okay. Famuyiwa, who directed uh, the movie Dope. Have you guys seen that movie? That movie uh, was trash. Really, I like Dope. I think it's a fun. Hated movie. that movie. I, I, I like Dope. So I like Dope a lot. But you actually would probably recognize his work, Dane. Uh, he's directed a lot of episodes of The Mandalorian. Uh, and so. Oh, okay. Yeah. And. Uh, I- uh, he, so I I just I thought he was he'd be a cool name. He, I think he left over creative differences. Andy Muschietti to me it's basically like you're getting one of two films. You're either getting it or you're getting it chapter two. So it's, it's like uh, I hope he he makes the right one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Corey and I both loved Snyder Cut, so I recommend sitting down and watching that four hour film. Uh, but with that, guys, does anyone have any? closing remarks sam i know you didn't really get to talk for that last like 10 minutes there anything that you have any comments i'm uh i'm glad you guys liked that movie um no one in my uh maricalio lineage will ever don my name if they watch that i will make them <laughs> secede from the family okay um but yeah i mean good for you guys for liking whatever you like <laughs> Dude, <laughs> way to end it. that was that was, that was, way that to was end it. so 
dickish. Oh. I'm not even gonna include that because my mom would be so upset. <laughs> yeah, you were doing so well. You have to include it. You have to, yeah, you have to include it, yeah, you have to include so it now, well. especially it came full circle mom, with I'm, your mom. I was I wanted to say that that, that Mrs. Mercalli would be so proud of us, and I really think you just blew it right there. Yeah. Fuck. It felt bad coming. It felt good coming out. Honestly, <laughs> I was really. Yeah, I, yeah, let's be real. I we all know why you're an asshole. It, it feels great. <laughs> It feels so good to bring other people down. (laughs) That's my final remark. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, going to do the plug again. If you you like uh, the podcast, friends of ours, whoever, leave a little review, maybe a five-star rating, maybe. Wink, wink. Uh, But until next week, guys, uh, this is the It's All Film and Games podcast, and thanks for listening.